0: You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from our two part worship series. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for informing us and informing us well. So, hey... I know it may seem a little different to you today. Uh, For those watching online, you haven't missed uh, worship. Uh, We're going to do that in a few moments. Uh, But if you are watching online, which I know you are because you're hearing me and you're listening to me and you're looking at me saying this, uh, comment and let us know that you're with us and and where you are watching from. And those in-house, let those know online that we love them. Make some noise for them. Come on. Come on. Now that we have our, that we're able to uh, take our masks off uh, both figuratively, if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we talked about wearing a mask and pretending to be somebody we're not, and literally we don't have to wear a mask unless we choose to do so. And now that the masks are off, you know what's amazing? We can hear you sing. That is awesome that we we get to worship together and sing out and uh, rejoice in the Lord and be in his presence. And this morning, uh, we kind of want to do something a little different. Uh, I wanted to talk for the next couple of weeks about worship. It may not be deep and theological, but uh, some of it may be absolutely practical when it comes to uh, what is worship? What is worship, the practicality of worship, and, and how we worship, and what do we do when we worship, and what does it mean, and, and what are the effects of worship? When we gather together and sing, and, or when you're, I don't know if you're this type, but you're in your car alone, and you crank up K-Love, and in between their year-long fundraising drive, <laughs> they play a little bit of music. And you sing to the top of your lungs in your car. Anybody anybody do that? Let's be, we're in church. Let's be honest. We, we all do that, right? Because we think that all of those clear windows around us are like, have superpowers where people can't look in and see us. <laughs> or how about you sing in the shower? Anybody do that? <laughs> oh, <Whoa>, yes. <laughs> Andrew. We'll just leave it at that. And then, but we all sing. When it comes to worship, and, and this morning, that I, I want to give us a few thoughts about worship so when we re-engage back into the, the worship time later on in, the, in, in our time together, we'll have a better understanding of what it is, what it means, and, and actually how it works. Here's what I know to be true, that worship is not about preference. Worship is about participation, Worship is not about preference, it's about participation. It's it's not just what we do on a Sunday morning or when we hear a worship song that we like or we prefer. It's who we are. Worship is what sets us apart. Who we worship is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. Because the truth is... is, and and, and if if you know anything about worship, you know this, well, this may be surprising to some of us, but here's the reality. Every single one of us in this room is a worshiper. Now, I know some of us, especially some of the dudes, are probably, you know, listen, man, I'm I'm not a singer. I just sit back and I, I just do me and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not really a worshiper, but every day, all day long, uh, in every place, we worship. We worship something. It's what we do. It's who we are. We were created to worship. Every one of us is a worship because worship declares what we value the most. So yeah, you may feel like oh I'm not I'm not that dude that comes in, or I'm not that person that comes in, and you know, I'm not real demonstrative. I'm not, I I don't sing to the top of my lungs. I'm I you know I don't clap my hands, I don't, it's just not what I do because I'm not, I I, I'm not a worshiper. I don't do that. But worship says uh, this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever, this is what matters most to me, and it it's what holds the highest value in my life. And and the reality is this thing. Whatever we hold the highest, of highest value in our life, this thing could be a person, maybe a relationship, maybe it's our stuff, maybe it's, maybe it's our car. Look, I only say that because I was having dinner with my friend, uh, well, I'm not going to say his name, but... We were talking about Mexico missions, and, and uh, he, he was sharing this story about how to, a pastor was taking. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm totally paraphrasing this. So if you are my friend, in which I speak of, I apologize up front because I know you're here. And. Uh, he said, this, he was sharing the story about a pastor and, and, and somebody wanted to take kids to Mexico and, and um, they didn't have enough cars and, and, and this person who was leading the group said, we don't have enough rides and the pastor says, hey, I'll take care of it. And, I, and he got up on stage and he said uh, something to the effect of, hey, listen, we got a lot of, you're sending your kids to Mexico um, and, and we need rides for them and we don't have enough cars, which implied that you are totally cool with sending your kid to Mexico, but you're not comfortable with sending your car. Where's the value? We, we all put value in something. It could be a dream. It could be a position. It could be status. It could be a bank account. It could be something you own. It could be a name, a title of something. That we hold in high value in our life. It could be some kind of pleasure. It could be anything. And whatever name you put on this thing is what you have concluded in your heart is what I value the most. And if truth be told, whatever is worth the most to you is guess what? what you worship. This goes for every single person on the planet. Every single one of us, every day, with every breath, people all over this world are proclaiming What is worthy of their affection, what is worthy of their attention, what is worthy of their allegiance? Now, some might say, Well, listen, PG, I don't worship anything because I'm not religious. But here's the thing I know that every single one of us has an altar, and every altar has a throne. Whatever or whomever is seated upon that throne in our lives is supported and held up there by our time, our affection, our energy, our money, and our allegiance. Now, I'm almost certain, almost, because there's a few, but I'm almost positive that many of us would not walk around proclaiming, yo, dude, check it out, I worship my stuff. Or I, you know, I worship my job, said no one ever. <laughs> or I worship her, or I worship him, or I worship how many likes I get on my Instagram posts. Or I worship me. But the support structure of our lives, it never lies. I mean, we may say we value one thing more than another, but the truth is the volume of our actions will always speak louder than our words. Which begs the question, so why is it, why is figuring this out, why is figuring out what we worship so important? Because here's what I believe, that worship is the catalyst for life transformation. Worshiping the one true God is, is a catalyst for life change. Worship changes us. Worship gives us a new perspective. And we're going to see in a, a moment some of the other benefits that, that worshiping the one true God brings. See, we become what we worship. I mean, takes a, take a sports fan, for example. My wife does not want to be in the same room as me when I watch the Raiders. But you rarely have to guess where their allegiance lies. Where where a true sports fan, you know when when they got their favorite team where their allegiance lies because they will tell you by not they'll tell you by what they're wearing for one. I, I mean, there's, there's a number of other external indicators when it comes to this. I mean, they say that the more you like the Raiders, the deeper your relationship with despair is. <laughs> <laughs> that is truth. I've known that for 18 plus years. Ugh. Pete, you with me? All the way. 100% my man. <laughs> Niner fans, raise your hand. Raiders fans? Yeah, look at that. That's awesome. But here's the deal. Our Christ transforms, uh, transformed lives should reflect the same way. It should reflect this change as well we should continually become and look more like Jesus. This, this is what happens in a real relationship. I've gone through probably 25 different iterations of who I am based on who I was hanging out with. I was a band geek in elementary school, then I was a skater, and then I was a break dancer. And, and for those under 40, that's a whole deal. And then... But you kind of take on the shape and, and, and the, out, the way to dress and how you talk and the music you listen to based on the group you hang out with. It changes us. It's about a real relationship. And as we get to know Jesus better, we will want to become more like Jesus In every aspect of our life. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says, "For the Lord is a spirit, and whatever or wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Church, freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, what happens now? We can see and reflect the glory of who the Lord. The Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are what? Let's read it together. Changed into his glorious image. In other words, suddenly this far off God is recognized as a living and personal presence. Not some inanimate object, uh, you know, that we bow down to. God is personally present Alive and active, living, he's a living spirit that, you know, eliminates that old, constricting, uh, legislative way of living. That way becomes obsolete because God, God is with us. We're free, all of us. And this is now, there is now nothing between us and God. And our faces begin to radiate God's glory. His glory, His glory. And we are changed and we're changed and kind of like transfigured, much like Jesus Himself. And our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like Him. You see, whatever we allow our focus... Whatever we allow our focus to be placed on is what we will eventually become. I'm trying hard. I want to be a professional golfer. I'm working hard at it and spending a lot of money doing it. Not quite there yet. I'm hoping that this truth holds true in that area of my life too. But whatever we allow our focus to be placed on is what we'll eventually become. Good, bad, or indifferent. What I have learned is that whatever you worship, you imitate. Whatever you imitate, you become. Whatever you worship, you imitate. And whatever you imitate, you become. I think the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 that we are to be imitators of who? God. It says, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of who? Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So for following the The example of Christ, what are we to do? Love and offer ourselves as sacrifices. The bottom line is this. Watch what God does and then you do it. That's what imitate God means. Watch what God does and then do it. It's similar to when... um, and we all experienced this when, when we were children who learned proper behavior from their parents, right? Mo, I mean, mostly what God does is love you. So spend time with Him and, and learn a life of love and learn how to imitate Him. Look at how Christ loved us. And, and notice that Christ's love wasn't cautious, but Christ loves, he loved us extravagantly. It wasn't a reserved love. Hey, if you love me, I'll love you back. It was an, an extravagant love. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. And if, if, if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, then we should be changing. We should be being transformed. Who we were yesterday should not be who we are today. I mean, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that says that true worship allows God to transform us and change us by the way we we think. I mean, not to become God, but rather that we take on the characteristics of the one who created us. I think one of the best quotes I've ever heard in regards to this change is from an old preacher guy named Charles Spurgeon. He's a well-known preacher from the 1800s, but what he said then is so applicable to today when it comes to our relationship with Christ. It says, of what value is the grace of God which I proclaim to have received if it does not dramatically change my life? For if it, if it does not dramatically change my life, then it will never, ever change my eternal destiny. Now, again... Continuing on, a few thoughts on worship before we re-engage our hearts in worship. And if worship is a catalyst for change, then I propose that we shouldn't waste our worship on things that are ultimately eternally meaningless. Our worship. I'm not putting down, having nice things or wanting to acquire nice things. I'm not saying that you can't be about other things. I'm talking about our affection, our allegiance, our time, our energy, what we worship, what is the most value of value in our life. Listen, true worship must be reserved for God and God alone. God and God alone. As much as I love golf, I probably love buying golf equipment more than, than what my skill set <laughs> is. <laughs> I have to ask for forgiveness. But listen worship is 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 for God and God alone why because he alone is worthy God and God alone is worthy he is our creator and we are his creation Listen, I, 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 you don't have it up there. I'm going to read it to you because it's, it's kind of lengthy and I didn't want to put our media team through this, but just look at how Isaiah, if you, and you can write this down and if you're taking notes, you can go back and read it yourself. Isaiah chapter 45, 18 through 25 reminds us that God is the only one and true God, the only God of our salvation and worship. Isaiah said, for the Lord is God. And he created the heavens and the earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. And I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurity in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true, and I declare only what is right. Gather together and come, you fugitives from surrounding nations. What fools they are who carry around their wooden idols and pray to gods that cannot save. Go ahead, he says, consult together. Argue your case. Get together and decide what to say. Make your best argument Who made these things known for so long? What idol ever told you they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God, there is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to me. The people will declare the Lord is the source of all my righteousness and strength. And to that church, we need to say amen. Listen, worship. Worship is, is responding to all that God is with all that we have. With all that we have, it's our response to who God is. It's our response, both personal and corporately, to God for who he is and for what he's done, expressed by the things we say and in the way we live our lives. Some of us thought, oh, I I just sing these songs on Sunday morning. That's what those was, singing songs. It's not about singing songs on Sunday morning. Again, in Romans 12, I referenced it earlier, chapter one and two, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all the things he has done for you. Let them be what, church? A living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to do what? Worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So by this, I'm going, huh, do I want to know God's will for my life? Sounds like I need to worship him, spend time with him, give my life in service to him. Loosen the grip on what I hold on to tightly and give it to him. Worship is just not singing the words of a song because a song alone can never be enough. I believe that the cross demands so much more. What Jesus did on the cross demands so much more than just showing up every so often on a Sunday and singing songs. It demands so much more than than. Even what I kind of personally, I mean, not kind of, what I give to to him, it it demands so much more. We should have a wholehearted, full-on, life-encompassing response to God's amazing grace as our reasonable thing to do. Giving God only everything, everything is our reasonable response. Listen, friends, worship, it's not just something we do. It's just not something we watch. It's not only what we do, but it's who we are. It's who we are. But there is a due part to worship when we gather together like this. And like I said, now that we have the masks off and, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, there's, there, there's just some things that God only does in the context of us gathering together physically and worshiping him together in unity seeking his presence, being in his courts of praise. I cannot tell you how many times throughout my life that God used environments just like this with other people to do some extraordinary things in my life. In the midst of worship, singing songs together with other people, I mean, if you just consider the book of Psalms, right, the book of Psalms is filled with and it it deals with almost exclusively the subject of how we are to worship when we gather together. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about there there, there is a how to this as well? I mean, I'm just gonna give you a few out of the book of Psalms and they're filled with ways to worship and you may relate to some, some may challenge you, some may scare you, make you feel uncomfortable, but everything I'm saying is biblical. I mean, the Psalm says, shout to God. It says, sing to him a new song. Dance before him. It says, clap your hands, bow down, lift up your heads tell him of his might, stand in awe, meditate on his truth, walk in his ways, cast down your idols, run to him, make a loud noise. For those of us who can't sing, that's good news. It doesn't say sing in tune on pitch. It just says make a loud noise. So if someone behind you is just going at it and in their own way, say, thank you for worshiping. (laughs) Cast down your idols, run to him, make a loud noise, lift up your hands, clash the cymbals, praise him with trumpets, tell the nations. And I can go on and on and on. Worship is something we enter into with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. It's a participation activity in a preference-centered culture. It's what sets us apart. Not only on Sunday, but it should be this way in our everyday lives. So if you need one more reason to live a life of worship, if you need one more reason to say, you know what, we're going to church and, and we're going to be part of the church and we are going to be the church and I'm going to live this life of worship and we're going to sing together because we get to sing together with other people that are praising and lifting up the name of Jesus. Let me give you one more reason uh, to do this and I'd like to close with this. Our outward expression of our own individual worship will bless and encourage those around you. it's contagious. It is absolutely contagious to see someone next to you kind of manifest this like full on whole life response to the awesome work of God in their life is truly an an infectious thing. If you don't believe me, I'm going to take you into the secular world. You ever been to a, a concert? I'm not equating worshiping Jesus to a Justin Bieber concert. I'm not doing that by any means. I'm just trying to prove my point that when someone next to you is rocking out to your favorite band, whatever it is, fill in the blank, rarely do you just sit there and No, we don't do that, do we? You Niner fans, you go to a Niner game. You sit there all stoic. You may be thinking about a hot dog. I I mean, yeah, it's true. But you don't, Raider fans, come on. You just don't sit there. You're infected and and affected. I said that right? By all of those people around you. How? Ah uh, yeah. I think we need a little bit more of that all up in the church. We got enough of this. Band's good today. Oh, they're singing one of my faves. You okay, Doris? <laughs> the Apostle Paul knew a little something about this as well. In 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 17, it says this. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also first for the ability to interpret what has been said. For and, and that's not my point here. So my point is coming up. Uh, for if I pray in tongues, for my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words, it says, I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing words, what? I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, I'm worshiping. You can't tell? My heart's engaged. If I praise God only in the spirit, if I praise God only inwardly. How can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? Where else are you going to get 200 plus people unified, folks solely focused on Christ, together singing in unison? In this atmosphere that the Holy Spirit sets up. Where else are we going to get that? How can they join you in giving things when they don't understand, when they don't hear you, when they don't see you worshiping God or understand what you were saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. If there was ever a case for corporate worship together, Let's remember that we worship God simply for who he is as well as what he's done. And when, I, when we see someone else on either side of us, in front of us, here's someone behind us who has a Christ-transformed life, who's worshiping God with all their heart and their, uh, with all their soul, it does something to us, doesn't it? It does something within us, doesn't it? It stirs our spirit and it moves us, it compels us to want to join along, um, you you want to be moved by something? I pull this don't show yet, but I pull this video out every so often because I need I need a stirring, and sometimes I uh, it just does something to me whenever I see this video. Uh, cuteness factor on overload. I'm going to warn you, <laughs> but it's my very own daughter. And I hope this moves you as much as it moves me. How can we not be blessed by that? Five-year-old girl singing a hymn. Most of us didn't even know what that song was. It moves you. It does something to you. She wasn't performing for you. She was singing about how wonderful her God was. Something amazing happens when we gather together with people whose lives are being transformed by Christ. And now I'm going to invite the worship team up because we're going to have an opportunity to close our time together doing just that for the next 15 minutes. Or maybe longer. I don't know. See what the Spirit does. Watching my daughter sing that song out of the blue. How can you not help but want to worship God? Now, I'm going to go a little old school here for a moment. But have you ever heard the term, the proof is in the pudding? our life will always be the proof of who sits on the throne of our lives. Because every single one of us, remember, has an altar. And every altar has a throne. Who or what is seated upon that throne? What I know to be true is that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So, with that thought resonating in our heads, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. And I want to ask you this one question How many of us desire, how many of us want to experience the fullness of Christ in our life? the fullness of Christ, everything that this relationship with Jesus brings, then if so, you need to give your lives fully to him. Psalm 103. I love this. Remember how I said I'm gonna talk about a couple of the benefits of, of worshiping God? Psalm 103, David, and we know David, consummate worshiper, huge sinner, not perfect same dude that got so in despair, he's like yelling at his soul, why are you so downcast? The same guy that asked God to like rip his enemies' heads off and while he was hiding out in a cave, he says these words, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death. And he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. Friends, as we head into worship, as we head into collectively while individually responding to God's great love, we have to remember that sometimes we need to look past the cost, past the cost, past the uncomfortableness, past the tiredness, past all of the external circumstances, Past what's for lunch? Past what's time, what time is it? Past is PG going too long. We have to look past the cost. We gotta look past, well, I don't feel like I can sing. Or I know I can't sing. We have to look past the cost. Oh man, I don't want someone to look at me differently if I do sing out to my God. Look past the cost. To see the benefits. To see the benefits. I think sometimes the enemy wants to hide the price tag. I bring a sacrifice of praise. If it doesn't cost us something... Does it hold any value? We need to look past the cost and see the benefit. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. He is my salvation. He is my hope. He's my restorer. He's my healer. I'm only echoing what King David said. I am filled with love and mercy. I have good things. I'm renewed. I worship him. I worship him. I worship you and only you. And only then will we have value in our proper place. Only then will our lives be Christ transformed. Only then can we be made new. Only then will we truly worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. Can we do that this morning? Can we close our time worshiping together? Can we give Jesus some praise today? Can we let God know how much we love him?